My name is Brie Castellini. I used to be a spy. My name is Chris Cherry. I used to know what outside looked like. And this is Burn Noticed, a weekly. They're going to be virus for a while, guys. <laughs> a weekly rewatch of the USA Television masterpiece Burn Notice about Michael Weston, a spy. You might think that we have better things to do, but we don't. Not anymore. But at least no one can accuse us of starting this podcast during quarantine. We started this before quarantine. We're just like this. We're just like this. And throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode on whether it is an episode of television, a great episode of television, or a great episode of Burn Notice. If you want to know what complicated calculations go into these ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end because we will explain them again. Don't you worry, sweetheart. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, please get in touch. I guarantee he has nothing better to do right now either. You can send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and absolutely no criticism of any kind to burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com or to our Twitter at burnnoticedpod. That's burn You think he's been tested? With a D. I don't think so. I think he seems pretty healthy and he seems like someone who follows the rules. You know, he like really respects authority and Well, Michael Weston respects authority. But I see no wicked pissa JD. Who knows? <laughs> who knows what angle that guy's got? I mean, he has like three kids. I'm sure he's keeping it on the DL. Yeah, I think I think he's just wicked pissa in the streets and Michael Weston in the sheets. I was gonna say I don't know if that's the the best way, but the other <laughs> way sounds worse. Yeah, you don't exactly. want to be wicked pissa in the sheets. <laughs> Cool. Well, let's talk. Wicked Pissa about sounds like Burnout. a bet that he lost. <laughs> that sounds like, like something forty-five year old you would make me turn my Twitter name into. It does sound like I don't know if I could have come up with Wicked Pissa though. That's like it's so specific. I think we had a whole runner in season one about like how it's some sort of weird Boston thing, but he's like not from Boston. No, he's not. It's like. <laughs> There's no it's, reason why he should have something in that, like, accent. He just does. Like, right. I can see Matt Damon having Wicked Pissa, MD, like, for his yeah. Twitter name. Jeffrey Donovan, not so much. But you know what? I respect it anyways. Um, just kidding. What else that I respect is that this is season three, episode five. It's called Signals and Codes. So once again, not all episodes this season have been thing and thing but a lot of them have been like four of the five episodes have been thing and thing so Mm -hmm. that's a trend that we noticed and we cracked the case on that you're welcome this episode aired july 9th 2009 and was written by jason tracy and directed by jeremiah chechik this this week is a solo tracy joint so i guess that's why a couple weeks ago, we had a solo. Craig O'Neill uh, got Craig a solo. O'Neill joint. They split up. Which, I am wait, all... which one did Craig O'Neill did? Do you remember which one did Craig O'Neill do? He did the one two weeks ago that you thought could do better on the details. The one with that brought Brennan back. If he brought Brennan back, I liked that episode. No, you liked it. You just thought it could do better on the details. That's fair. There were some good details in this one, I will say. This one is definitely sloppier than, you know, some others have been. But this, I thought that this I one have, had a good sense of detail. I have such a weird... This is a weird episode. This is a very weird episode, and I think I really liked it. Uh, oh, wait, no, problem. I liked yours. I liked yours. I Yeah, so we there's a lot of things about this. I'm going to read the IMDb description really quickly, and then okay. let's jump into the weeds and just see if it comes out of us naturally. Uh, okay, so the IMDb description is Michael's quest to get a new CIA connection is interrupted when a mentally disturbed man comes to him with credible evidence that someone is sending encrypted messages that reveal the names of operatives. So as soon as I read here's, mentally disturbed man, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, the, here's the thing about this episode is that I think it's a decent script. I think there's a lot of fun jokes in it. This episode lives or dies on this performance. and The performance by Michael Weston? By actor Michael actual, Weston. By actual real life Michael Weston, whose name is spelled properly yes. with an O. Um, but yeah, this is an episode that like lives or dies on this performance. And I'm just going to say right now, I think this performance is very bad. Yeah, and it's, it's too bad because I usually really like Michael Weston. 
Um, I like I, Again, I the actor. his sort of boyish charm. Yeah. I'm not going to clarify. Whenever I refer to Michael Weston in this episode, you're not going to know if it's Michael Weston, the actor, or Michael Weston, the spy. And it's going to be really fun and confusing for all of us. I think it's that his a... performance at times is good. I think the overall, like the macro performance is bad. I think there are moments in like the micro performance that are quite good. Like, you know, every once in a while he'll switch between something really seamlessly. Like he's very, he's obviously a skilled actor. I just think that the overall character he didn't have a good grasp on because it was also unclear what the episode was trying to do with this character. Like, yeah. is he just an, like, is he vaguely autistic? And the thing also is schizophrenic. Is he not Rain autistic Man. and just schizophrenic? Yeah, exactly. But he's like just the actual like doing the underlying Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man. Yeah, but trying to do it broader, like not yeah, trying to do it because it's written broader. Yeah, because this is like and I, a comedy I do think it's episode. a writing issue. Like yeah, I think it is a writing comedy issue. episode, which is ooh, yeah uncomfortable. It's and the episode's relationship to this character is not great. Yeah, um, it's it's too bad because it's like a well-written episode. It's fun. It's got, like you said, a lot yeah. of fun jokes, which we always love out of the O'Neill and Tracy episodes. But yeah, let's get into the weeds and we'll kind of pick it apart specifically. Because like, I wanted to like this episode. I like Michael Weston, the actor. I thought that the episode overall was pretty good. And I, I thought that there were some really, really nice moments in it. But ultimately, the character of Spencer, who Michael Weston, the actor, plays, it just, it bummed me out. To an extent that made it very hard to overall enjoy. So, without further ado, Sam and Michael start the episode staking out an airport. They are looking for spies, and by the end of this tiny little scene, catch sight of a Black Ops supply flight heading south. Apparently, they have, like, the manifest, and are like, that one's not on the manifest. And they're like, cool, I guess they're spies, for sure. So, that's good. Cut to the yeah. loft where Michael is working on a fake ID of some sort. When Fiona and Michael's looking for in. spies because he wants a contact with spy agency. Because he figures if he gets yeah. a spy, he can be like, make me a spy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'll remember, he wants his, his old job back. We've never heard of this plot before, but you no. know, that is a thing. No one mentions it five times an episode. Don't Certainly know where not. this is coming from. Yeah, we have no idea where this is coming. I'm completely unmotivated. So Michael Weston's working on uh, a fake ID, and Fiona like barges in wearing a sheer dress, cover like bikini cover up, whatever it is. It's sheer. It's fully see through, so you can see either underwear or bikini. It's unclear, but she does say that she wants to go out to like a fancy lunch because she knows Michael and Sam have been on a stakeout, and she's like, "Ooh, fun! We can go to like a fancy lunch, so he'll be he'll appreciate like having real food." But I don't understand how the outfit she is wearing is appropriate for lunch. It looks like she wants to go to the beach with him. It is a very bizarre outfit, and like it's even Miami. Michael Weston, like. Yeah, the but whole town is a beach. You can't go into a restaurant like this. Not a fancy one. Damn. Well, I think it... Okay, well, I feel like there's two kinds of fancy. There's, like, fancy snobby where you could not walk in looking like that. Where you you want to wear, like, a cocktail dress or something. Sure. But then there's, like, maybe a fancy chic where this sort of thing would be allowed, maybe. Eh, I don't know. It seemed bizarre. Um, it is and bizarre. they have like a really kind of cute little moment where she's sort of like, they're, they're both like standing while he's finishing his ID and she's cuddling with him and like making fun of the photo he used. And he's so hurt that she doesn't like the photo he chose. And it's just like, it's a, it's just a pretty plain Jeffrey Donovan picture, but like smiling really widely, which we do not often see in this show and smiling in a way that actually seems genuine. I'd argue we see for it the first time in the, the show. <laughs> no, we see I think it that... <laughs> both not enough and too much. I was just going to say the ID photo looks like an actual smile, whereas I don't think I've ever seen live action Michael Wesson doing a smile that feels real at all. True. And so she's making fun of him. And then they have she a little bit of a She says it looks spat. like a prom photo. <laughs> and what I love about, and what I like about this episode a lot, what I do like and about like this script and Jason Tracy is that I feel like in a lesser episode, um, Michael would just shrug this off. But and this one, Michael's like, I like the photo. I think it makes me look trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's a very cute little scene. And they're like, she's like, Fiona's almost acting like a cat. Like she's like coming up to him and kind of like nuzzling at him. And they're just sort of like still, and, and Michael's trying to do get work done and she's like trying to distract him. And it's very sweet. Uh, but then they have a little bit of a, a back and forth about, you know, him getting his old job back. And she's like, all right, fine. Then I'll go make, get lunch myself and like leaves. And then he, he has a final little like prom photo about his ID picture, which is a nice little button on that scene. Uh, Michael then heads to the airport and flirts in a sleepy Southern accent with Linda, the receptionist, to get some more details on that Black Ops airplane. He is making some copies alone in a back room, I guess, when security comes to find him because obviously him wanting those records has raised some red flags given who the records belong to. And he bails out the window on a rope of extension cords and escapes. I do not believe that Michael Weston's weight... Uh, especially to the extent that he's like spinning around outside the building would have been held up by all those extension cords, but okay. I don't either, but we'll have to live with it. We will have to live with it. And it is the end of the cold open. Michael and Sam restart the next part of the episode uh, at a shooting range, complaining about Barry's prices. Apparently Barry wants a thousand bucks to look into the account behind the airplane that they found because he has to go to where his mom lives to get some of the paperwork. And it's like an annoyance tax, which felt to me like a very Billy Jack moment. It's also all moms on this show are annoying. It's true, except for next episode, which I am ex- very, very excited to talk about. We will talk about next week, next week. But it's quarantine, Chris. I want it now. As they're like having this little conversation, they 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 do the they push the button where it pulls in their target from from that they're using for target practice. And so Michael has done like the pretty boring, like all perfect shots to the head, all perfect shots to the chest, and Sam has shot the shape of a martini glass with an olive in it which I really, really really enjoyed. It's It's really good. It's the details. There's so many good jokes in this episode. They're so good. And they're like, they're just, you know, they they feel natural too. It's just, unfortunately, a lot of the jokes end up coming like at the expense of a truly mentally ill person, which I don't love. Yeah. Speaking of which, when the boys leave the gun range, another boy, uh, real life Michael Weston, runs up and kind of innocently accosts them. It's a very confusing moment, shouting that he needs the spy guy's help. Uh, show Michael denies he's a spy, but real life Michael insists he's been paying attention to the blotter and whatnot. He's some sort of mathematician and has figured out a pattern and now knows for certain that Michael Weston is a spy. I'm now nervous that they're going to do an autistic adjacent character here and do it badly. And unfortunately, that was lived up to. When show Michael starts to walk away, though, real life Michael starts shouting that show Michael is a rogue operative. And so show Michael shoves him into the car to talk. Then we get a boob transition to lunch where we learn that real life Michael Weston's name is Spencer in the show. He is a very smart mathematician with a lot of degrees. What if, has done... <laughs> what if they had damned him Jeffrey Donovan? <laughs> I wanted something like that. Just a little, just, I mean, it's already kind of cheeky casting him. But, but like, he's also been in like a lot of those shows. Sort he's in of every not. Show. That would have been really funny. I think that they're saving Donovan for like a more like cool badass moment. I don't think they would waste Jeffrey Donovan on a schizo. They could have at least called him Jeffrey. <laughs> Just Jeff. something to acknowledge it. You've already done it. I think the problem is that Spencer seems like a much more childish name, and that's very much what they're going with with this character. But you can do that with Jeffrey, too. Jeffrey's not like... Jeffrey's only childish if, if, like, a middle-aged woman with too much money yells it. Jeffrey! Jeffrey, darling! I don't think if Michael Weston says Jeffrey, it sounds quite the same. There's a context for Jeffrey sounding childish, and it's not this one. Uh, anyway, so he's a very smart mathematician who's definitely troubled and think and is currently doing some work for a defense contractor and thinks that one of the vice presidents is a killer. And he uses she, her pronouns. So we know that it's a lady killer. <gasps> and she's but like, like an actual gonna... lady killer, not like the mm-hmm. way that Sam is a lady killer. 
<laughs> yes, exactly. A lady who is a killer. He's worried that not the vice president of the United States, but the vice president of this particular defense contractor is going to do it again in Malaysia. Which would have been Joe guess. Biden. <laughs> Which, Throwing yes, at the time there. would have been Joe Biden. Um, and so he's he, he figured out the patterns and is like, Malaysia's the next target, I'm sure of it. Spencer had borrowed a co-worker's computer to do some digging, and then a few days later, that co-worker was killed which uh, was very suspicious. It also comes out that during this conversation that Spencer, despite all of his fancy degrees, only waters the plants at the office and also spends most of his time decoding messages from aliens who take our form. Uh, The good guys are, it turns out, like the spies who keep getting killed and the bad guys are also aliens. And she she is one of them. The vice president, not Joe Biden, but the woman who works that this defense contractor is a bad alien. I don't remember what they're called, but the, the good aliens are called the guardians. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The good aliens are the guardians and that's just spies. And yeah. Yeah. And so he starts getting kind of aggro and Sam's like, Hey man, calm down. And Spencer flips the table yelling, damn it. There's no time. Sam and Michael then call him an ambulance, which is the socially responsible thing to do. And then it, and one of them remarks like, well, it's good to know we can still call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, probably is a good thing. And one of the police officers who, like, is talking to them as Spencer's being put in the ambulance tells them that Spencer is a, quote, big-time schizo, Uh, who, uh, which seems offensive, and has, this guy has been in and out of the psych ward and court for, like, four years. And so, wow, I... That was that's a bummer that they met that guy, but that's over now, and we'll continue on with the plot. Michael heads, which is going to be Barry. all about like that spy plane, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael heads to meet Barry and is a little hurt that the text invite didn't have a smiley face. The text that Barry sent him was like, "Bring one K to like this location," and Michael's like, "There wasn't even a smiley face. Where's my friend Barry?" Which is also a very fun joke. Also, and we very also fun learned- joke. In this, we also learn in this conversation that Barry, the reason that Barry's mom is so irritating uh, to him in particular is because Barry dropped out of podiatry school and his mother has never forgiven him, which is such a specific detail and also it's kind so of feels specific. pervy. <laughs> but yeah, I like it. it's like, but it does, but I don't know why. Because it's Barry. Like, Everything Barry says is vaguely pervy. Exactly. So if, Just he was, because if he was almost made... a podiatrist... <laughs> This is, it's kind of the thing, though. They've made Barry so unspecifically pervy. And, <laughs> like, is this the pervy. scene where, like, he's saying that he's hanging out this place for the view? Yes. And then they cut to, like, both men and women in swimsuits. And, like, I feel like there's more men and it's very jacked dudes. And yeah, so, well, like, so there was, yeah, there was a moment, yeah, the shot is just, like, it's a pretty good collection of both men and women all ripped. So I do think that this is sort of like the show acknowledging he's canonically bisexual. Yeah, but it's but it's so unspecific. But it's unspecific in the same way that Spencer is unspecific. Yeah, because they it, they're cowards who don't want to diagnose them. Yeah. No, no labels. Yeah. Or no, I mean, labels. someone's a police officer is suggested schizophrenia, but like that's mm-hmm. not a. But the thing yeah, is, saying he's a big time schizo is not a diagnosis. Not a diagnosis. But the thing is, some of his symptoms, like a lot of the aliens and things like that, and the paranoia kind of suggests schizophrenia a little bit. But like all of the patterns and stuff suggest autism spectrum. And so, right. and it's not that those things can't like be comorbid or anything, but the fact is that they just want he's him just to be crazy. a crazy person. Mm-hmm. Without a non-specific crazy person, yeah. just like they want Barry to be a non-specific pervert. Exactly. So for such a specific episode, we need more specific characters. Anyways, the scene with Barry ends. Yada yada. Shell Corporation airplane hangar. Yada yada. Uh, back at the loft, Spencer is chilling on the steps with Fiona and Sam, and Fiona looks delighted. Apparently, he broke out of his psych ward and found Michael's address by hacking the DMV. Fiona like unabashedly loves him in every shot where she is in the background she is like 
grinning ear to ear for some reason because i think that fiona feels like a weird kindred spiritness with anyone who's like a little bit off their rocker and i thought that was a sweet choice and like the way that fiona is always the most consistently the one who can get through to him i really enjoyed too and it's not by her patronizing him it's by her like trying to use his language to explain it to him in a way that makes sense and i think she's still patronizing him a little i think but i think it's less patronizing than the guys i think she so, like, I liked that. Possibly the only thing about, like, the Spencer characterization that I liked. Imagine Madeline patronizing him. And then imagine what Fiona actually did. Like, a Madeline patronization would feel worse. I think yes. the Fiona patronization is more subtle. And so I preferred it. <laughs> no, Madeline I agree. is not I... in this episode, for the record. Yes. Um... So they head to Spencer's place where no surface, even the ceiling is blank. It's not just a murder wall. It's a murder house of clippings and what's not. As the gang starts to piece together the ramblings, it looks like Spencer thinks the Americans are spies being uh, or thinks that the American spies being killed are good aliens and the killers are the bad ones. And Sam actually recognizes one of the quote good aliens as a friend who was allegedly killed in like a climbing accident. Then they also realize that the Malaysia thing that he'd been rambling about the day before Four actually happened so they take him on as a client they realize that something coherent is going on up in there and maybe they should be paying attention michael and spencer go to like a cafe across from the defense contractor office and get sight of shannon park the vice president who is definitely one of the bad aliens and is definitely our bad guy spencer suspects her of being like the arch bad alien and is the one who's getting all of these american spies killed michael and spencer then head to work michael as an it guy who's weirdly sleazy and confident and spencer as his actual job a plant waterer which for the record seems like maybe a thing that an assistant on each floor could do but okay um i yeah I it's weird, weird. I say weirdly sleazy because I've never seen an IT guy in a med- in media depicted as like confident in suit wearing. IT guys are always like the sniveling nerds, aren't they? Anyways, Michael, the IT guy, sleazes at Shannon, the VP bad girl. Spencer slips into her office to get some intel. It works perfectly, and Michael borrows uh, Shannon's assistant's bathroom key on his way out. Back at the loft, Michael eats a yogurt and duplicates the bathroom key, which apparently is also a key that will get him into Shannon's office. It's explained in the spy tip, but I wasn't paying attention because I knew that I could copy and paste that over later. Fiona stops by. They had plans for dinner, but it's only 4.30 p.m. And she reminds him that she refuses to do any more early bird specials, which I appreciate. A woman who knows her boundaries when it comes to this is a date and this is not a date. But Michael's like, yeah, 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 but we're going to go to that airplane hangar first, the one that's owned by the guy that I'm pretty sure is a spy. Fiona uh, and him argue, and then he petulantly says, well, fine, I'll go alone. And that's that. Michael marches into the airplane hangar, pretending to just be a guy with authority. It's uh, He's kind yeah. of just nonspecifically just like barking orders at people. Uh, but Diego Garza, the spy Michael's looking for, knows what's up and immediately introduces himself. I don't know why, but I like immediately really dig Diego Garza. Like I looked I at him, took too. one look at him and I was like, I like you. I dig this a lot. Yeah, it's all the actor. It's all the actor. I, it's I think all so. performance. But yeah, but yeah, you just immediately look at him like, yeah, no, I want to watch this guy. This guy seems mm-hmm. cool. And and his first basically interaction with Michael is like, listen, cool story, bro. But if I tell anyone I've made contact with you, I'm going to get shipped off to who knows where. And I am not looking for that kind of heat. Sorry to have wasted your time, but please leave. Michael is upset. Um, and then that scene is over. Sam as Charles Finley shows up at the defense contractor's office next and stands on a desk and starts doing a speech about teamwork because it turns out his cover is a teamwork consultant. This is great. (laughs) Everything about it is extremely funny. I think it might be the promo image uh, for a thing that's about to happen. So he gets everyone, including Shannon, into the conference room to do a hour-long presentation on teamwork, which he actually put together Love it. Such a good detail. I yeah, can he put it together. Like the there's like a bit, there's a bit called the Finley method or something. We're, yeah, the Finley method is going to be the promo image. Like, 
<laughs> it's it's extremely funny. So um, anyway, Spencer and Michael get into her office again, and the it turns out that what they discover is much worse than they imagine because something something the code that they need to decrypt the information to prove that she did the thing is in a vault somewhere, and she just released two new names, and Spencer doesn't know how to figure out what two names they were. Um, so th- this is very extremely bad. Uh, then there is a very fun scene of blocking where Fee and Michael drive Spencer home after they've done this little get together and Sam outlines the Finley method to the team and whatnot. And, um, so uh, they're, they're in the charger. Michael and Fiona get out of the charger on either side, but Spencer is still in the back sitting and kind of like catastrophizing and like, oh God, everything's going to go wrong. There's no way for us to stop them. The bad aliens are going to win, blah, blah, blah. And so Michael and yeah, Fiona Yeah, there's a lot of like, you can't like, stop them. You don't know how to stop them. Exactly. And so like they, both Michael and Fiona are out of the car now, but my, uh, Spencer won't leave. So they have to keep like popping down into the charger to try and talk to him. But every time Michael tries to talk, Spencer's like, no, that's not going to work. I don't even know why you're talking to me, man. And so Michael will pop up and make a face at Fiona. So then Fiona will pop down and try to say something and then pop up and Michael will make a face and she'll go back down. And it's just like this very fun kind of comedy shot scene where they're just, yeah. the, the, the levels keep changing. And my, there's some Michael Weston faces in here that that I will never forget. I have taken several screenshots that if the Finley method doesn't work as a promo image, will definitely become the promo image. And it's, in any case, will really be tweeted out. fun piece of comedy that revolves around the fact that this, like, man with mental illness is annoying. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate part, is you have to, you have to kind of, like, pretend that that's not happening. But, like, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, I know. But the blocking is so good. But, yeah, it's like... like, Yeah, it's a... It's a real bummer. It's a a real bummer. It's a good piece of comedy. Um, But, like, it's all about them being frustrated with that. Yeah, frustrated with a mentally ill person. Yeah. Um, And, like, it would be one thing if he was just sort of, like, a cuckoo bananas guy who, like, believes in aliens. But, like, it wasn't... It was like a like it, it wasn't a mental illness thing. It was just like an eccentricity thing, you know, or someone who just like convinced themselves based on stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's hard to have like a really, really smart person not be like autistic coded. But but it's not like, like he's very accidentally least. autistic coded. Right. Like, exactly. Well, I'm just trying to think of, like, a way that they could have had this character without the mental illness, like, element. Yeah, but, like, that's the whole thing. It all revolves around this. The whole idea is that, like, he's Rain Man and so he can see patterns. But sometimes the patterns he sees do not exist. Yeah, but, but some do. And, like, that's the plot. Like, the plot doesn't work unless he's Rain Man. Like, I don't know. There could be a way. I'm sure, like, you could just have him be, like, um... Eccentric eccentric or like just a really good mathematician or even just be autistic but not make it about how annoying he is you know the frustration is always going to come out though because like when he gets kind of hooked on the obviously false thing that he's obsessed with trying to get him back on track the, the aliens and the schizophrenia that's bad i think Again, I don't love the performance. I think the performance is bad. But I think it's the fact that they've included the aliens in the schizophrenia. Like, schizophrenia. But well, but what I'm that... saying is that, like, if they were frustrated with an autistic man, it would be the same thing. It would just be, oh, it's a bummer that they've made him autistic and that the plot line in the comedy is coming from them being frustrated with an autistic person. Well, I think that if he didn't believe in the aliens aspect... Like, I mean, I think you would write the episode differently. Um, but, like, part of the thing that makes him frustrating is that, like, he can see the patterns, but he doesn't live in the same world that they live. So, like, they can't they can't communicate with him, basically, because he has a different baseline of reality than they do. And so, like, because of this belief that it's all about aliens and stuff, like... If he was just, like, someone on the spectrum, maybe. If he was more, like, a Sherlock-type character. Right, but they can't have a Sherlock-type character because he can't be the one that figures it out. So they have to give him some kind of cuckoo bananas thing 
in addition to the smart thing. And like Michael Weston and co have to untangle reality from like fantasy. See, I don't think you need that. I think you can have someone who's really good at math, but also doesn't know how to spy. Right. But then that's just like a client has figured out information and needs like that would just be a straightforward like he hires Michael Weston and Michael. Weston yeah, that's what I'm saying. Acts on the information. Yeah, but that's, that's, that's I think. And I think to their point, that is kind of they, they've done that before. Like that's I mean, they have. I mean, yes. I'm just saying that would be less, less cringy and more watchable. Sure. Like, yeah, this is definitely I mean, a dated episode in terms of cultural sensitivity. And yeah, it's it. Yeah, I find it very frustrating. Yeah, it's it's a real bummer. I'm just gonna keep saying that because it's that's basically what it comes down to. Real bummer. Uh, so the end of this scene uh, resolves. I think there's with... a way to do it that doesn't make him so childlike. Well, if they're going to do the alien subplot, then it has to be. That's what I'm saying. Is that like there's a way to that's why I'm saying you have to ditch that. I think there's a way to do this that doesn't make him childlike. It would fundamentally be a different episode. The, the episode no, that they uh, yeah, wanted I, to write it should be. can it only should be a exist problematically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th- it does lead to one extremely funny line, which we'll get to eventually. Uh, but that's the only good line about the alien subplot in the entire episode. So it's not worth it. But anyways, this scene resolves with Fiona explaining that instead of hacking her, what they're going to do is explain to her that someone is looking for the leak in her department to scare her into stopping so that they can get her arrested. Michael then goes back to Shannon as an unnamed intermediary saying that he was just posing as an IT guy and Zydeco, which is like the code name for the encryption thing that her company does is compromised. So she's going to have to figure out where her leak is ASAP before their whole company gets federally indicted. He takes her Do on a field trip. you think he trip. was always planning on doing this and that's why he was a confident IT guy? I don't think so. I, I it, It's played in, because they, they were expecting the confident IT guy to just be like a distraction and then they get that's the true. information from her. I don't think that I, I it we're, we're meant to believe this is one of those situations where they've had to improvise based on yeah. their original plan going awry. So how do we um, feel about Shannon? Fine. She seems competent. She doesn't really, she, she isn't a very active presence. She's not in the episode. Like she is mostly acted upon. And then whenever yeah. she does do stuff, it's kind of like in the background. So, True. you know, she could be more interesting, but I, understand her like she she there's honestly she's very unremarkable she's unremarkable i do but at least no one goes like a lady boss yeah what's that like yeah it is very matter of fact about the fact like there's none of that which i almost feels refreshing on this show Mm -hmm. is that they just don't mention the fact that it's a lady villain yeah yeah no I, i i agree with that so um as Michael is transitioning his cover identity to her, he I mean, she is Shan- like a stuffy businesswoman, though, and that's also a type. Yeah, but like one that's selling government secrets, getting people killed so that she can make a bank. True. And that's not usually a female type. So anyways, she after, as he's like, Zydeco is compromised. We have to figure out where the leak is. He takes her on a field trip after showing her some undecoded stuff they printed off of her hard drive to prove like, yeah, of course I know what this is because I'm on your side. Uh, he takes her to a boat allegedly owned by Brad, Spencer's dead coworker friend, who was allegedly also hunting the leak before his demise. So he's basically like propping up the reality she already believed that Brad was looking into her. Uh, and it's like, but the whoever, whatever dumbass killed her didn't realize he also had a boat. And he ha- and the, he shows her some like more of the printed out pages with like crazy writing on the side. Like he was so close to figuring it out. I don't know how, but we got to figure out like who else is looking into this soon before the feds come crashing down on us. Michael also hands her a burner phone and is like, we're going to fix it. We just got to get into your vault tomorrow and figure out or like get rid of the thing or figure out something. I don't know. We need to go into the vault. Yeah. Sam- there's like the the encryption is in the vault. And like, um, she can only go, yeah, yeah, the encryption key is in the vault. You can only go and get it from the vault sometimes. 
no one can just have it. it ha- you have to, like, check it out. And so, like, originally they were just going to, like, show people the the logs on the vault and be like, look, see, she's been checking it out and doing shit. And then she wiped all the logs. Right. And so uh, Michael walks off and uh, gets on the phone with Sam, who is back at the loft, listening in on the obviously bugged burner phone that she keeps on her for some reason. And we learn uh, during the scene that the prop boat that they were using is Virgil's. Remember? Michael's step-papa. I thought that was a nice little piece of I did, too. I enjoyed We know Virgil's into boats. See, again, details. Some details of this episode, like most Tracy episodes, are so good and specific. Just maybe don't have a schizophrenic character. Yeah. I don't know. I like my headcanon is that this is a, a Nick's Barrios idea that they assigned out to Tracy and he did what he could. That's what I'm I kind of don't think that's the case. I know. It's just. It's so insensitive and it doesn't need to be. You're right. There could have been comedy from another place. But the thing is that, like, easy. especially considering. Like just last week. We had an episode that was really good about taking characters that were jokey characters and making them human and having empathy for them. And... I mean, I feel like this episode tries to have empathy for him. Like, the first thing they do is call him an ambulance. And they're like, okay, so this guy's crazy. We need to get him some help. And then at the end, it makes it clear that, like, they've all done their best to try and get him set up for success. The problem is during the meat of the episode, the show isn't treating him with empathy. The characters are treating him with more empathy than the show is. I mean, the characters are treating him with sympathy. Like, but there's, like, a different, like... The show is way more patronizing of this character than it was of either character from last week. Oh, no, for sure. And yeah. But, like, the overriding plot of that, of last week's episode, was not, like, there wasn't, like, an underlying ongoing joke. Like, the joke was the guy was just kind of not as good of a mob boss as he could be. This joke is he believes there are aliens and also knows all this other stuff. Yeah. Because of like not being health. good at your job is a lot easier to have yeah. like empathy for in and not patronize, you know, in a way that is troubling and problematic than this situation. But again, Virgil liked that d- detail. I miss Virgil. And I like that he has boats that they could just use. So that's Is fun. Virgil in town? Are he and Madeline, you know, stripping? No, Virgil's back in Cuba, remember? That's right, but Virgil, but like, is Virgil's he still like? Did he leave the boat? I I think he. The implication is he has like lots of them, because <laughs> like his thing was that he he was like a repo man and he had That's a boat. Right. And he lived on a boat for a while. I think he just like has a little skipper that he yeah, lets him borrow. He's boat guy. He's boat guy. Um, cool. So then in between the next two scenes, Michael just does a little burglary of Diego's shipping front. And then leaves a note to try and get him on side. While Michael is doing his little burglary of the antiquities, Fiona is parked outside the office building on the phone with Sam, waiting to watch the cover-up occur so that they can call the feds on Shannon. But then Sam overhears on the bug that obviously Shannon is going to go after Spencer and has a guy plant a timer bomb under Spencer's house that'll go off at midnight. Fiona has to leave her post to go race to Spencer's to save his life. Then we cut to Michael, who is FedExing the antiquities he just stole in a FedEx box in a FedEx mailbox sponsored by FedEx. When Sam calls and Michael speeds off to get to Spencer's as well. Fee shoots her way into Spencer's house. And while she and Spencer shout at each other because Spencer is understandably distressed, Michael comes in, punches him out and drags him outside. The evidence will almost certainly be destroyed back at the office, but at least Spencer's safe. Yeah, there's this line in it that... (laughs) especially grades on me where they they punch the him the one where he's like, like you 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 can't talk to him when he's like that yeah or something yeah like yeah which is very uh i don't care for that i mean but all. also you know if they're trying to save his life and they have like but seconds to spare michael's no not i get wrong. it he's not <laughs> wrong but it's like he like sounds like a dad in a movie about autism <laughs> he sounds like the dad in like curious incident a dog that i <laughs> 
So that all happens. The next day, Michael meets up with Shannon as planned and said that Spencer is playing a long game and is actually ex-NSA and wants to meet. Because they're like, all right, well, clearly she's afraid of Spencer. So that's useful. Um, And she knows that he wasn't in the house when it was blown up. So the last course of action is to, like, use Spencer as the threat that she believes him to be by pretending he's not crazy. He's actually just playing crazy to, you know stay under the radar. Michael and Shannon go meet up with Fiona and Spencer and Spencer acts a little kooky, but mostly holds it together with Fiona's help. And as Shannon yeah, that, walks away, this is away, the tension of the scene. Like now yeah. it's a thing of like, he's crazy, but he has to act not crazy. Can he do it? Mm-hmm. He cannot, yeah. but he keeps it together enough with Fiona's help. But even so Shannon's like, mm, you're bluffing. But then Spencer pulls one last prediction out of his ass about her selling another name to Venezuela, and she agrees to pay him off. And, um, like, that's the conceit of the this, this scene, is that, like, the ex-NSA guy, Spencer, wants her to pay him off to, like, not reveal that she is the one behind all of this. And then Michael is like, we have to go get the evidence from the vault and then pin it on Spencer and pretend that they got the information from an embassy so that the company's stock doesn't tank because the issue is client side, not on them. Because, like, so this is a confusing scene only because this sort of plot of this episode is kind of confusing given all of the alien garbage. But as far as I can tell, the, like, Michael's, Michael works, I guess, for the company and is like, there's a leak. And then when he finds out that Shannon is the leak, he's like, well, we still have to cover it up because the company needs to be protected. You're out, obviously. This is your last day of work here. Fuck you. But, you know, if we don't want the company to tank and you don't want your stock options to, like, bottom out, we need to cover up the mistake that you've made, pin it on this other guy who is not as high up in the company, and make it seem like the way that he got the information was not from us, but was from, an like, an external source so that we're protected. Yeah, that's basically it. And it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. But like that, that's how this all, all these little puzzle pieces fit together. So they go down into the vault. But as soon as Shannon gets him the encryption codes, Michael handcuffs her into the vault and leaves with the codes. Michael and Spencer use the codes on Shannon's computer to decrypt the info she's been selling and then call the feds. And this is the only line that I actually laughed at about the aliens and is not worth it, but is still very funny to me. Uh, Spencer ends his call to the feds by saying, and you should really bring some backup. That bitch is an alien. And he says Said, it so matter-of-factly. Kind of, I... <laughs> it doesn't help that the performance that he's doing relies on him saying every single line with the same intonation. Yeah, very earnest. It's, this very, But yeah, and it's very Rain Man-y. Mm-hmm. It's very like so. Well, yeah, and he says that line so too. Broadly, I like that line though. I like this line. But, made yeah, me laugh. but and it's a line that he says like every other line. It's like you should really bring some backup because that bitch is an alien. Like it's that everything's like this, and every line that he says is this reading, which is also just like a not pleasant reading to hear. And you should he shouldn't do it. Like it's that. Yeah, I know. It was upsetting because I again I do really like this actor and this was not a good performance from him or a good character. So just bummers all around. All is well. We learn at the end of the episode that Sam got Spencer a gig at a tech firm owned by a buddy. Spencer's now on medication and Shannon is kind of off the hook because she's testifying against the person who killed his friend, but at least they're both definitely in trouble. Apparently also Spencer doesn't believe in aliens anymore. He's cured. Michael heads back to talk to Diego, and apparently Michael, under the screen name Michael Hearts Diego, has been eBaying the artifacts he stole to, like, make Diego look bad so that he's like, hey, you can either work with me or I will continue making you look bad. Diego is kind of pissed, and the reason he's pissed is he's like, you're, this is like the worst way that you could have gotten this to happen. He's like, do you want me to like you? Apparently not, because that sucked. And Michael's like, "Mm, sorry, I'm just a troll. Like, did you hear I sent fruit baskets to the Libyans back then? And Diego's like, yes, yes, we know. We all know everything that you do, Michael. You are extremely unsubtle. And um, he's like, well, fine, you got what you wanted. I am now your point of contact in Miami. But 
Also, I have some good news, for me at least, which is that the CIA isn't interested in your services at this time. And Michael's like, well, but what about the job that I just did? And he pulls up like a newspaper clipping or maybe the full newspaper. And he's like, but I brought a prop. I did a good today. And Diego's like, uh, we know that was you. And that the whole thing is such a mess. They don't want to pin and medal on anyone. They just want to sweep it under the rug. So no, that was not enough. You're definitely not getting your job back as a result of this. And Michael looks genuinely crestfallen. It was like he he had brought his his owner uh, the paper and the owner was like, oh, I don't want to read the paper today. And he's like so upset about this, which is fair because, you know, it's also like thing. so naive of Michael. Yeah, no. And that, and that's what it's so funny that like I get that he's upset, but also, yeah, it is extremely naive that like this one job and not all of the jobs that he's done over the course of his burned period. Like, I don't know. And so, yeah, it's, it's funny that, that he thinks gonna that they're just going to give him a job because he did yeah. a good deed or something. Like, I mean, he did a good deed, but like, but he's been doing that, good like, deeds for three years that... and they haven't given a shit. They knew he was yeah. doing it the whole time. He knows that they know what he's up to and they haven't cared. So why he thought that like having a spy vouch for him <laughs> was going to help is beyond me. He does learn, Diego does say that they're willing to look over his file again, but there's no promises. So like someone is giving his shit another look, but it's not looking good. And so Michael's kind of upset. And then Diego says like, hey, I like your sunglasses, by the way. That would be like if I went to adjust the cuts and been like, hey, hire me. And they're like, sorry, we're not hiring right now. And they're like, so I cut this guy's hair for nothing? (laughs) Like, like, Yeah, 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 you did. It's not that transactional. Yep. So then Diego says something about how Michael's sunglasses are cool, which is like, I think like the second time someone has mentioned that in this episode or the last two episodes or something. And I don't understand why everyone's so fucking obsessed with Michael's sunglasses. They're fine. And they're, like they were like one like, of the last shots of his iconic two. burned out of sunglasses. They, they talk are about because- next week too. Yeah, that's what I that's what I must be remembering. Yeah, they they talk about his sunglasses fucking constantly. There was that in individual shot of them at the end of last season. We know they got mailed back to him by management at the beginning of this season. And it's like they're just fucking sunglasses, y'all. <laughs> Maybe everyone they can They think chill. it's a thing. Like yogurt and the charger. I guess. So, final scene of the episode, Fiona is waiting at the loft with two of the antique bowls that Michael stole, which I really enjoyed as a detail, filled with salad. And they have their little talk where they finally, like, have it out about Michael trying to get back into the CIA. And this is a very confusing scene because the acting is good, but the writing is bad because Fiona has had better points in the past. And now that she and Michael are truly having the conversation about it, it's all of her good points are gone because Michael's like, I want to do good, like good work. I want to do this work. Do you see the thing we did this week? I'm really good at that. And I want to be able to do that more. And the obvious thing to say back is you're literally already doing it. The example you just used for the type of work you want to do is work we did without the CIA. Uh, But she doesn't say that. She just says like, I don't understand. And he's like, well, you need to, you need, like you, I need you with me. You need to decide like whatever happens, like you need to decide. And she's like, fine, I'll stay with you. And then she walks away crying. And it's very frustrating because Fiona has had the good point that I just made previously, but doesn't say it to him. And so the episode just kind of ends with her just accepting that he's going to go back to the CIA and their relationship is going to be fundamentally changed if he succeeds at that. And I don't understand I why that was the conclusion. I hate this plot so much. I don't hate the plot. I hate the resolution. Because the plot up to this point has been Fiona making very good points about, but like, it's so the repetitive. CIA it's doesn't the care thing. about you. It's, well, right. Like, they, they don't go anywhere with it. It's the, like, they keep just restating the same things over and over again. And then, like, each week it kind of feels like, well, we're finally having the conversation. And then they'll say the same things that they said last week, but then it'll be like, oh, it's changed now, but it hasn't. And like. That's true. Yeah, it has been pretty there's much no, the same conversation. There's no moving forward with it. It's just them having the same argument again and again and again. And like, they need to like do something with it. You can't just keep doing this. It's so frustrating. Yeah, no, keep... I, I think they're done with it now. 
I think. No, because next week opens and she's annoyed about it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they don't have the same. Well, no, they do. No, you're right. It's the same. No, literally, they have decided that this season is going to, this is going to be the tension, but they're not doing anything with it. They just like, well, this is their plot is that they're going to argue about this. So they're just going to have the same like conversation over and over and over because it can't resolve. Right. Like, or it certainly can't resolve this early in the season. If the point of this season is Michael is trying in earnest to get back with the CIA again. Yeah. Like it's yeah. Unless like fee just like up and quits or like even that would be something to do something. Mm-hmm. I'm so angry at this show. Right now. Yeah, it, it's very frustrating, especially because she's obviously right. Like everything she's saying or usually says during the better versions of this argument that we've seen for three episodes now are true. Like they don't care about you. Obviously, they know what you're up to and still don't care. And if your argue if your argument is about I want to do good in the world. You are literally constantly doing good and not just on the local level. Like you're working on the local level, but the work that you're doing is saving people elsewhere. You know this. We did it today. The example you are using to say I need to be in the CIA is exactly like the, your example for like a thing that you could do at the CIA is a thing that you've done not at the CIA. And I do not understand. Like the only good argument he's made at this point in this like repetitive conversation with Fiona over the past couple of episodes is I need an agency backing me so that I can keep people safe. That's the only thing he has on his side. But Fiona is also right, which is like, but if the other thing that you want to do is do good, you are already doing that. So you just need to acknowledge that you are tired of doing all this work and you want to go back to a safe, like the safety of someone else giving you jobs instead of you having to figure it out. Like you just want someone to tell you what to do. I mean, he does. I think like, I do think this week he articulates himself slightly better than he normally does. And Fiona articulates herself slightly worse. Yeah, because that the show needs him to win this week. Mm-hmm. The thing is that, like, as best as I can tell, his argument isn't even really, I want to do good. Well, his argument at the end of this episode was, he had a whole well, long speech about, like, I'm good at this. Don't you want me to be well, good no, at something? Well, no, but that's different. Like- that's different than I want to do good. What he's saying in this episode is, this is, being a CIA agent is the thing that I am best at. Like, I cannot live up to my full potential as a person unless I am a CIA agent. Like even well, the but he stuff also that he's says like he now. wants to do good. There was definitely yeah, he a, does. A... Like he does, but like he always says that. I think the thing that's unique about this week is his him basically saying, I am not complete unless I am doing this because it's the thing that I was made to do. I am I am someone who needs to fulfill a function and my function is CIA agent. It isn't even this thing that I'm doing right now, like hero for hire or whatever. It's not that. Like the thing that I'm better at is being a CIA agent. And if I'm not doing that, my very special set of skills is not being used and it feels pointless. Yeah, I guess. And I and I don't hate the idea that Michael Weston is searching for self-actualization. But um, I just think that, yeah, I agree with you that it's sloppy. And we don't need to be having this conversation every single fucking week. Every week. Yeah, with no new information, really. Nothing. So you want to hear some spy tips? Let's do some spy tips. Let's do some fucking spy tips. Number one. Nobody wants to hear from a burned spy. Your old handlers send your calls straight to voicemail. Your appeals are filed in the trash. Your old contacts are worthless. Your best bet is to find an active field operative who can't hang up on you. If you're on domestic soil, the airport's not a bad place to look. Intelligence agencies are like amateur magicians. Watch closely and you can see how they set up their tricks. It doesn't matter how good they are at misdirection and sleight of hand, they can't make covert ops supply planes disappear. What I like about this tip is that it implies that the best spies are worse than the worst magicians. <laughs> Why you gotta call them amateur magicians? What is like, professional magicians are still setting up their tricks. And if you watch pretty closely, you can probably still figure it out. It's still all misdirection. Well, sometimes it's like special effects. This is true. So- sometimes in the spies, it's probably special effects. <laughs> well, not this one. 
So it takes a while to get to the good part of this tip, but I do think that like go yeah. to an airport and f- look for supply planes. Yeah, I'll give it that. That was good. Yeah. All right, cool. Number two, in medieval Europe, spies used to pose as lepers and plague victims so they could snoop around without being bothered. In today's I'm corporate office- I'm still thinking about like the CIA is no match for Chris Angel mind freak. <laughs> is Chris Angel still doing stuff? I'm sure he's like freaking minds out in casinos all over the country. Well, not right now. True. <laughs> Can you imagine being quarantined with Chris Angel? God. No. <laughs> Fucking day five. Hey, look, watch me levitate. I know what you're doing. Stop it. Chris, I just want to mind chill right now. (laughs) All right. Number two. In medieval Europe, spies used to pose as lepers and plague victims so they could snoop around without being bothered. In today's corporate office, posing as IT works the same way. It's the perfect cover if you need to linger without being bothered, and it gives you a pretext to talk to almost anyone. That's a fun, relevant tip. (laughs) I mean, an IT person is still a thing that exists in offices. I meant more like plague. Well, this is just showing off that Michael Weston definitely majored in history. Michael Weston majored in history. He's like one of those jocks. Because, like, there's a lot of, like, football coaches who majored in history because they needed to major in something. And not every school has an exercise science program. And so a lot of the times those, like, beefcakes end up majoring in history. And that kind of seems to me like what Michael Weston did. That tracks. Mm-hmm. That's, that's I'll go with this, it. too. The IT thing, that's good. Yeah, that's fine. It's specific. It's something. Number three, all you need to beat a modern Tumblr lock is a little information and some Stone Age tools. If you know the basic type of key you need to spoof, pick out a matching blank, file down the valleys to the center ledge, and you have a bump key. Apply torque, whack it with anything handy, and you're in. I don't know if this is true, but seems oh i get it now i i understand now because i because i was trying to figure out uh why he was stealing the bathroom key even though the key he needed was to get into her office but presumably all of the locks in the office were manufactured at the same time and they're all just like slightly different and so basically what he's saying is get a key that's probably close enough file down the parts that would like bump up against it and then just sort of bump it into place i don't know seems credible to me no yeah i think like it has a ring of plausibility. Yeah, and that's really all that you can ask for from Burn Notice. A ring of plausibility. Yeah. Cool. Number four, drug cartels aren't the only un- uh, organizations who use import-export businesses as fronts. Intelligence agencies like them because they make it possible for missions to finance themselves. They send out guns and supplies and get back goods to sell. Native antiquities are favorites because their subjective prices make money laundering easy. That also seems informational. Yeah. Uh, also a little fucked up that like these spy agencies are like stealing from ancient burial sites in order to fund their missions for guns. But I, I mean, CIA. Yeah, it's true. The CIA is a bad organization. So is the government down with the government. Number five, front, (laughs) number five, front companies generally make easy targets for burglary. They don't want people wondering what they have to hide. So they tend not to install a lot of lights, alarms, and security cameras. And of course, they never invite the police to investigate. So there's really no need to be shy about leaving clues. This This one's on the edge. Yeah, it is interesting, though. Because, like, you'd think that having a little, like, no security would be just as suspicious as having too much security. The thing about it is also, I feel like front companies generally have a a lot of things that they need to keep safe. Right. And you would think that it's possible that they have more security. The implication of this scene is that this place that's run by, like, the CIA has no security. Well, he does say they don't install a lot of lights, alarms, and security cameras. He doesn't say that there's no security. He just says that there's less security. And the other important detail I find out of this tip is that they don't tend to invite the police to investigate because they don't want the police up in there. That's true. So like that, those two things I found interesting enough that like, if I wanted to fuck with a spy organization, because I think we've accepted a tip in the past. I think probably the Libyan one where it's like, hey, get bad guys to send a suspicious looking package to a spy to get them to call you back. And this is sort of like that where it's like, hey, do you want to troll a intelligence office? Then just steal shit from them bald faced 
Because what are they going to do about it? Call the police? Pussy. But also an intelligence <laughs> organization doesn't have to call the police because they are the police. Right. But also the point of this was not to like figure out like who done it. It's like, oh, Michael Weston done it. And he's making yeah. a point. But like it's also saying front companies make easy tar- targets for burglary. And that doesn't seem to be the case. Like, if <laughs> I think maybe he's co- trying to say like easier relative, you know, like easier than another kind of company. Like if I were like stealing money from like a laundromat or something, I'd rather it not be a front for drug smugglers because drug smugglers might kill me. Well, I think the implication is that you know it's a front company. Well, but that's what I'm saying. Like drug and you're and you're doing it to get at the behind company. Yeah, but like front companies like can also be fronts for things other than spies. Sure. But I but I think that the implication of this is that you're trying to get to the behind company. And so what you do is fuck with the front company to make them pay attention to you. I mean, that's what's happening in the episode. But it's also just saying, like, rob front companies. <laughs> well, I don't know it's that's saying rob advice. front companies. I, I, but I think that, like, contextually, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's fine. I'll let it stay. Okay. So that is exactly five. So, rating the episode, there were at least five practical spy tips, so pass. Did this episode use spycraft over violence to solve the case of the week? No, yeah, I think it did. Yeah, there wasn't really a lot of violence. No, because everything was so white collar. Right. There was a building that blew up. A house did get blown up, but that was about it. And that wasn't even our guys doing it. I know. Too bad. Poor Fiona. Uh, Okay. Was there a distinct alias? There was an IT guy. So there was an IT guy. I don't know if he had a name. Here's what I will say, though. In the past, we have discussed if Charles Finley or if if, there, if a Chuck Finley alias counted. And I think we said only if it was an exceptional use. And I would argue that Charles Finley, friendship coach, is an excellent use of Charles Finley. He has a slide called the Finley Method. He made an hour-long presentation about corporate teamwork. That's great, but is that like... Use of the alias? But we have a, yeah, we have already have a category for use of Sam. Well, but I think in the past we've talked about, like, if there's no particularly great Michael alias, but Charles Finley is used super well, would that count? And I think we said, like, only if it's exceptional. Like, just seeing Charles Finley is not enough to count for this. But if Charles yeah. Finley is used exceptionally and distinctively, then we said yes. Oh, oh, wow. I do like that scene. It was so good. So specific. There were so many like, good jokes. I, it seems against the spirit of the thing to award two different categories for the same scene i mean i we, we can that i i'm gonna let you make the call on this one i don't have a strong feeling one way or the other but i do feel like i remember us having this conversation once yeah i'm, I'm betting anything that last time i landed on the other side just because i'm inconsistent <laughs> but right now it seems to me like the alias has to be a michael alias so are you are you okay to say no use of chuck finley is enough to override the alias rule that it needs to be a michael alias are we making that delineation immediately also because chuck finley is an interesting example oftentimes as fun as the chuck finley scene is in this episode and he is playing like a character he's not playing a character like when Michael Weston plays a character, you know, because Bruce Campbell does not have range. <laughs> Bruce Campbell is just Bruce Campbell. Exactly. And he's doing a slightly different thing here, but he's still just being Bruce Campbell. Like if Fiona was doing an alias and she was very different, maybe. I liked Brianna last week. True. Because, yeah, I mean, if Bruce Campbell was doing something dramatically different, but he's not. He's just being funny Bruce Campbell. I don't think this is an episode that has a good alias okay that's fine so no distinct or revisited alias next up finally were fee and sam used well so we've decided sam was the finley method wins for sure i don't know if i would consider this a good use of fiona i mean i liked her with spencer i've talked about that already i think she has some good moments with him and some good on her feet like 
improvisation. It did get tiresome with her having the same argument with Michael though. So I don't know. What are you thinking? She doesn't get to blow anything up. This is more of a like, if we consider this a good Fiona episode, it's she's used well in like a character sense and not in a caricature sense, which is what we usually go for for this. Yeah. I mean, I she is the one who is used best with Spencer. I could go either way. I don't think it matters because officially, if Sam was used well, this that's counts enough. as a great episode of Burn Notice. So that's, yeah. that is enough. So yeah, this is so, a great episode of Burn Notice. Actually, uh, let's do this. You tell us, audience. Was Fiona used well in this episode? Do you consider this a standout Fiona episode? Or at least if a Fiona episode where she as a character was used particularly well in the plot? I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Get back to us. Get back to us. All right. So this is officially a great episode of Burn Notice. So that's five in a row for this season. There has not been a single not great ep- not great Burn Notice episode. However, was this a great episode of television? No. No. It was deeply it offensive. It could have been. Yeah. Because like it's it was a great writer. We know we love Jason Tracy. Great jokes. Some really specific hard hitting like callbacks and like little moments that are just like they could have been throwaway, but he really wanted to milk them for all they're worth. Like if this is going to be on fucking television, we should do something with it. But the Spencer schizo plot line was just. It was too, I also too much of a bummer. It's so much of a bummer. I also think that the stakes in of what are going on are fuzzy. It's partially Yeah, the actual plot was a little bit confusing because of how confusing it was that the person giving us the information was being. Yeah, but even then, like, I think we're supposed to understand it more than we do. It's all about, like, computer codes. And so it's kind of harder to intuit how well they're doing and what's going on. Right. Like, and the progress of the of, case like, itself was a little fuzzy. Yeah. And it became one of those burn notice episodes that I'm surprised when we get 30 minutes in. I'm like, oh, are we getting towards the end? It didn't feel like a lot happened. It was one of those burn notice episodes for me. Sure. So, yeah, I think that was also kind of a problem. Yeah, that's fair. It, it, it Once again, like, the more complex that they try to make the uh, case of the week the harder it is for us to get into it. We like something nice and streamlined. Yeah, the like, show is good It can good be at complex without being confusing. Yeah. Like the the Brennan episode was complex without being confusing. Like yeah. each like there was a lot of stuff going on, but it all kind of led into itself and we got to watch the escalation of the tension and of like the thing that they were doing together. Yeah, because so much of this is kind of abstract and like yeah we don't see the spies getting killed we don't know who they are like it's all masked in like this one guy's mental illness yeah no i i I see i see where you're coming from i like it's all like looking at pieces of paper and then having to be told what that means like everything has to be tell because most of the crime is like happening in computers like yeah yeah, actual people are getting shot but yeah we don't see that and so most of it other than when she blows up his house is stuff that is happening in the digital world in like the abstract (laughs) world it's not like yeah so it's harder to keep track of yeah all right well with that i guess there's nothing else to say except for thanks again to vincent el for our theme music you can find more of vince's music at vincentel.bandcamp.com and until next week bye it's just it's a bummer